0: Hello, welcome to ADAPT episode 37, which is brought to you by Hover. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined by my co host, Federico Vatici. How are you, Federico?
1: Hello, Ryan. Um, how are you? I'm feeling much better, personally.
0: That is great <laughs> to hear. You've been very, very busy for a long time, it seems.
1: Yeah, I never stopped being busy since June 22nd. Basically. Well, I guess you can, June 22nd being the date when WWDC started. I guess I did have a like a one-week break when we went on vacation. And I occasionally went to the beach this summer, but otherwise it's been uh, basically the past four months just working on the iOS and iPadOS 14 review and uh, all the extras around it. And then I immediately switched from that review last week to the iPad Air, which Apple very kindly sent sent me as a review unit. And uh, there was an embargo. And I needed to, to get uh, my review done in a relatively short amount of time. And so, yeah, I basically transitioned from the iOS 14 review to the iPad Air review. And uh, I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't really difficult because I feel like once you are in an in a intensive writing mood, I don't know, I guess it comes easy for me to, to just do that. Just switch from one big story to another. I think what really gets me is pausing between projects and then picking up a huge project again. Sort of all the preparation and all the, you know, switching my routine again. But because I was already working so hard on the iOS review, moving from that story to the iPad Air review, it was actually kind of easy. And I mean, especially because it, it's like a 5,000 word review. I mean, that like a sec- like a, it's like a subsection of the iOS 14 reviews. It's like, yeah, it's actually quite easy. And it's done. And I took a bunch of photos. And it's out and published. I wish more stories were like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a link to that review in the show notes. If uh, some of our listeners haven't read it yet, the iPad Air review. Uh, it, it looks like a great device. It looks gorgeous. I, I have to say the timing of all of this was impeccable with... Our, you know, having a challenge mm. on the show where you're supposed to use some midsize iPad in between your large iPad Pro and the iPad mini, two iPads that you owned already, and then to have Apple send you a review unit of an mm. iPad Air.
1: Imagine that. What a coincidence. It's, it's like they're listening to the challenge. show or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we, last episode, we talked about iPhones. And we've talked about iPad Air a little bit in the past, but that was just right after it was announced. Neither of us had been able to use one. And now, since you've got your hands on one, you've written a review, I feel like we are in the best position possible to really do some consideration of this device and compare it to the iPad Pro and, uh, yeah, just you know, talk about the different strengths of it. Uh, last time, the, the way that I framed the challenge was that I wanted you to use a midsize iPad for you know, about a day and really evaluate some of the iPadOS 14 new features, such as the brand new sidebars, uh, multi-column layouts, the widgets on the home screen, and just talk through how all of those different elements work on these smaller iPads, since you primarily use them on the large iPad Pro throughout the summer. So um, why don't we just dive right in and uh, why don't you share a bit about you know, the, the sidebars, can. what are those like? Do they take up too much space on the screen? Do they feel right or do they feel a bit off after having used the large iPad Pro for a while? Mm. Um, what's your experience been?
1: So I think the, the first thing I, I need to say is that using the iPad Air basically feels like using the 11-inch iPad Pro. They are basically the same size. And if you didn't know where to look, you would easily confuse one for the other it really does look like an iPad Pro 11-inch. And there are some aesthetic and, of course, technological differences between them, but by and large, this is the, the, the same iPad, like the same size, essentially the same display. There is, a, I believe, a 28-pixel 20, difference between the uh, higher resolution of the iPad Pro and the iPad Air, literally 28 pixels on either side. Um, So it's basically the same iPad. And because of that, using iPadOS 14 on the iPad Air, it's like using iPadOS 14 on the 11-inch iPad Pro, which means uh, that there's some caveats, unfortunately, especially coming from the bigger iPad Pro. So uh, the first thing you should know, multi-column in iPadOS 14, you can only see, as I wrote in my iPadOS 14 review, you can only see three concurrent columns in Apple's own apps on the bigger iPad Pro. The 12.9-inch iPad Pro is the only one that supports three simultaneous columns for apps like Notes and Mail. Uh, And uh, what else is using three columns? Uh, Notes, Mail, uh, Calendar is not using three columns. Uh, Shortcuts is not using three columns. Yeah. Voice Uh, Memos. Well, that's an exception. Because for some reason, Voice Memos always uses uses three columns, and that's the thing, right? Apple made a decision for their own apps to not default to three simultaneous columns in Notes and Mail. However, third-party developers can make a different decision, and that's because of how multi-column works in iPadOS 14. You have different behaviors for the columns and the sidebars. So, when you use the iPad Air and you open notes and you open mail you won't be o- you won't be able to see three simultaneous columns like you can on the big iPad Pro the iPad Air behaves like the 11-inch iPad Pro which means that when you try and show three columns the third one um, will not be inter- you will not be able to interact with it so if you show the sidebar and you have a sidebar a middle column and the content column on the right side that final column on the right, you will not be able to interact with it. It will either be pushed off the side of the screen, or it will be, or basically the middle column will be overlaid on top of it. These are some of the different behaviors that multi-column supports in iPadOS OS 14. And Apple made this decision, right? But as you can see, as you mentioned in voice memos, the voice memos team at Apple decided to always support three columns. And so on the iPad Air, on the iPad Pro 11-inch, and on the 12.9-inch, and even on the iPad Mini, in landscape mode, Voice Memos always supports three columns. And it even does on the big iPad Pro in portrait mode. You can use three columns in portrait mode. And third-party developers can follow the same, uh, I guess, best practices of the Voice Memos team if they want to. There's an API that they can use, and they can say, Look, I don't care if you're using an iPad Air or if you're using a 12.9-inch iPad Pro. I always want to show you three columns in landscape mode. And so you look at apps like um, Good Task, for example. It's now using the, the native three-column mode with a native sidebar in iPadOS 14. And you can see three columns on, it, on both the iPad Air and the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. Or you look at GameTrack, which is an application to um, keep track of video games you want to play or you may have played. And that application always supports three columns, even in portrait mode. So it ultimately comes down to developers and the choices that they make. But as far as the experience of purchasing an iPad Air, taking it out of the box, and starting it up, what you're going to see you know, on a fresh, clean install of iPadOS, apps like Notes and Mail will not support three columns as they do on, on the big iPad Pro third party developers they can make a different decision and they can say the iPad Air is big enough and I'll tell you Ryan it is big enough like it it I'm looking at this very moment I'm looking at a good task in three columns it's totally usable it's not as obviously for example the the, the right column the the content column on the right it's not as uh, expansive and as comfortable as the on the 12.9 inch iPad Pro but it's totally fine it's totally u- totally usable and um I think this, is, this will be an interesting um, desi- design decision to observe uh, in a bunch of third-party apps. Like, what, what do you decide to do on a 10.9-inch display? And I would make the same argument, obviously, for the 11-inch iPad Pro. Uh, I think that three columns on, on... Basically, I believe that three columns on a tablet of 11 inches in landscape mode, they are totally usable. And it's, you know, I wish that Apple made a different decision or notes and mail.
0: Yeah, that's a really unfortunate, I mean, I've said in the past and when I did my whole 11-inch iPad Pro experiment, I said that one of the things that really pushed me back to the 12.9 is that you could use three columns at the same time in some of those key Apple apps. And so the fact that we now have third-party apps that show that three columns can be done on that smaller size and done well just makes it even more confusing or baffling as to why Apple's apps don't support that. And I kind of wish that, you know, this was something that wasn't just in the hands of developers or the hands of Apple to make these decisions for users, but rather since the whole system of these different layouts, it's it's built on the idea of different size classes and, you know, UI views, you would think that maybe Apple could present a setting where, you know, maybe mm. the default behavior is, okay, you know, you think content is a little bit bigger, Um, but you can only see two of those columns at a time. But if you want, you can toggle a setting that says, I want to be able to see three columns at once, and it shrinks things a little bit, Um, but but it's fine that it works. Like, I'd love to see something like that.
1: That's a very good point. In fact, I think they should add a setting. Did you know that in iPadOS, there's a setting to disable, like outright disable split view and slide over? You can go to settings, home screen and dock, multitasking. And you can disable allow multiple apps, and it's like a system-wide toggle that will prevent you from creating split views and slide over instances. And so, and this page is actually kind of empty. There's only two toggles: allow multiple apps and gestures. And I think I would like to see more options in this screen. And I think forcing like something like um, use uh, three columns, you know, when available or something like that. I think it would be a good idea. Um, But then again, something that I heard from developers in the summer is how confusing the updated, um, I believe the framework is called the UI split view controller, how confusing it can be because of all these options that Apple added. And if you want to get a sense of what I mean by a confusing framework, um, I've been uh, using over the summer this uh, utility called Adaptivity uh, made by Jeff Hackworth. it's a it's a like a developer utility that I use every summer. And it's basically a playground for native UI elements and and system features of iOS and iPadOS. It lets you do things like simulate a split view or simulate a context menu or use SF symbols. It's like it, it lets you see what native UI stuff is like. And in the latest version of Adaptivity, you can try the new multi-column APIs, and there's a setting when you enable the the multi-column layout. There's a there's a button that lets you open the settings, and there's like six or seven different behaviors that you can enable. Uh, You can displace, you can push off to the side, you can overlay, you can force, and I can see why if you're a developer of an iPad app, and especially if you maybe you never really paid attention to the iPad side of your app. Now you see all these options and you're like, I, I don't know what to do here. And so the easiest solution is to follow Apple's advice, right? Many developers over the years, when they're not sure what they want to do in their apps in terms of UI and behavior, they just tend to follow whatever Apple does. Unfortunately, in this case, I don't think Apple's example is, is very good. Because in Notes and Mail, they're not using three column, uh, three, native three-column mode. Uh, They're not forcing the native three-column mode on on 11-inch tablets, which I don't think is a good idea. Another unrelated example. Um, Widgets. A bunch of developers that I I talked to over the summer, uh, especially developers of to-do apps and task managers, they were building uh, small widgets to check out uh, your tasks. Unfortunately, many of them were following the approach of Reminders, where in iOS 14 and 14.1, the small Reminders widget only showed you one task, just one line of text in the small widget. So even if you had three tasks, and arguably you could fit three lines of text in a small widget, Reminders was only showing one. And so a bunch of third-party developers that I talked to said, well, we don't want to show more lines of text in the small widget because we want to follow Apple's implementation. And I thought that was a bad idea because the the small widget, like it totally can support more information density. And go figure, in 14.2 beta 4, now the Reminders widget can show more lines of text. And so I think third-party developers will now also adapt. Um, So all this to say that I think sometimes it is okay not to follow Apple's implementation of something because, like, Apple may be building DOS and maybe testing these things for longer than we and developers are able to. However, the, t- the, the teams making apps at Apple don't necessarily follow the same schedule of engineers building and designing DOS. And so sometimes, if you think you're making the right decision in things like I think an 11-inch tablet is big enough to support uh, three columns on screen at the same time. Go for it. If you've tested the experience and you think it looks good, and same with widgets and showing more lines of text in a small widget, I think it's totally fine if a developer to say things like, Apple does it differently, but I'm still using a native API and I have this option, so why not?
0: Yeah, and Apple's the one that built these APIs in the first place and provided all the options to developers. It's not like they're saying, you really should do it this way. By providing all this flexibility to developers, they're essentially saying, you know, different apps will work best with different layouts, and that's okay. Like the the voice memos example, I, I think it is interesting that you can use it in three columns, even like in portrait mode on the large iPad Pro. Uh, that's a little surprising, but I suppose with something like voice memos, where you're talking about the folders of recordings that you have, and then your actual recordings, you probably don't have you know a whole bunch of text that needs to be displayed there. It's just maybe a, a short folder name, a short file name, and then you know the recording screen itself, where you've got some playback controls. There's not a whole lot going on there. Um, it makes sense that an app like Notes, where it's going to show excerpts from your different notes and then you've got a lot of text in the body of the note it makes sense that apple would think oh maybe it's a better experience if you only show two columns at once i just wish that they provided an option for people but that said um so it's it's unfortunate that multi-column is is not quite as good an yeah. experience on the ipad air what about just some of the other aspects of using it so like sidebars did you notice you know an issue with, oh, there's, there's less content here than I'm used to, um, widgets on the home screen, does, does it show the same amount of widgets as the large 12.9-inch iPad Pro, or do you have less to work with there? Like, what, what's your general experience like?
1: Um, so I think because it's, it's, more, it's smaller, some things are more compact. So for example, on the home screen, you only see basically the equivalent of three medium widgets in, the, in landscape mode. On the left side, I believe you can see about four on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. Uh, you basically see, well, it's more like two and a half on the, on the iPad Air. Okay, I was um, going to say,
0: because you can actually only see three full ones on the, on the large iPad Pro.
1: Yeah, so here it's like, um, yeah, it's more like two. And, you see two, and then the, the, the last one you see kind of half of it. Um, the home screen is basically the same. It's a dense grid of icons, so that's nice. Um, sidebars are actually okay. You do get less vertical space. Uh, so, for example, maybe like a side, like for example, in music, right? Um, the the sidebar in landscape mode it stops at the beginning of the playlists section on the iPad Air. On the iPad Pro, I do see some of my playlist. Like, it goes on for longer because it's a bigger display. So you do lose some information density there, I guess, but just because it's physically smaller. And you can make text super small, but, like, uh, that doesn't really work for me because, unfortunately, my eyesight is not what it used to be. Yeah, for sure. What about uh, if
0: in, like, split views? So if you have an app that supports a sidebar and it's in say, a 50-50 split view, does it still have that sidebar or does it revert to like a compact layout, like an iPhone-like layout where you just reverts, get a tab bar? It, re-
1: it reverts to the, to the... Most of them, they do revert to the compact layout. Um, okay. Again, developers can force it. They can say, look, I don't care. Even if it's a compact layout, I always want to show you three columns. And then I guess you just scroll the columns, but most of them don't. And I think that's the right approach because especially when you're in a compact layout... Showing multiple columns, it can get a little little awkward, and so they do revert to the iPhone layout, and the sidebar becomes like a standalone page, for example. it's not a sidebar anymore you need to you have navigation and you need to go back and forth
0: okay yeah that's uh, I agree that's probably the best decision um, but it uh, to me at least as as someone who's used the large iPad pro for years yeah. now, it just seems like yet another compromise that maybe I wouldn't want to you know. I wouldn't want to deal with because not only can I not have, you know, all the, the columns on screen that I want, but then I really don't like when apps revert to the, the iPhone layout because like, again, it, it kind of makes sense. And I understand from a development standpoint that having a sidebar when you have very little screen space, it's, it's not ideal, but for me, it just kind of throws me off a little bit. Like I'm used to seeing these sidebars now. And then, oh, okay, all of a sudden, because it's in this certain split view orientation, I no longer have the sidebar, and I've got to remember to go down to the tab bar. And especially when I'm using like my Magic Keyboard, and the keyboard row is covering up those tab bar buttons at the bottom, it's just, you know, it's it's not as clean and simple, right? It's not a consistent experience, and so it's unfortunate that on the iPad Air that you have to deal with that more often cuz like on the on the large iPad Pro in a 50/50 split view you still get the sidebar you still get that full experience and the only time you have to deal with the tab bars is when say you're using slide over or you're using an app as the small app in a split view so that's
1: uh,
0: it's a compromise i guess right it's a smaller screen and mm-hmm. you've got to make compromises but um, i think that's just more evidence that the large iPad Pro is, is the best device for me. Um, so in your time using the iPad Air and using it for work, just kind of using it in your normal day-to-day, what, what are the things that you missed most from the large iPad Pro? What are the things that would really keep hmm. you from using this as your main device moving forward?
1: Uh, good question. Um, so I think I really miss Face ID. And I think the new Touch ID is fine. So the iPad Air has this new Touch. ID. It's got the same design with the edge-to-edge liquid right now display of the iPad Pro. However, it does not have Face ID. So it it ditches the home button, but not to implement Face ID. It's it sticks with Touch ID. However, it's a new flavor of Touch ID in that the fingerprint sensor is now built into the top button of the iPad Air. So the button that you need, that you use to invoke Siri or Lock and unlock the display. You can now use that as a Touch ID button. So it's uh, bigger and and it's got a glossy finish, and it works all right. It's the same. It's basically the same performance of the second generation Touch ID that we used to have in things like the iPhone Seven and the iPhone Eight and the iPhone SE. It's fast. It works okay. And even if it's if it's at the side of the screen, it's comfortable enough to use. It's okay. I just miss Face ID because I'm so used to working on the iPad Pro that I sit in front of it and I open the magic keyboard and by the time the screen wakes up, because it detects that I opened the magic keyboard, Face ID has already scanned my face and authenticated me. So all I need to do is press the space bar on the keyboard and I unlock the device. Like, Face ID turned authentication into something I don't have to think about anymore. It just happens. And with Touch ID, obviously, it's not, that it's not like that because you need to physically move your hand and touch a thing, <laughs> and touch a button to unlock it. And even though it's fast and it works really well, and Apple did a great job with the feeling and the design of the button, I think it's a really good button from a design and engineering perspective. It's still a different experience from Face ID. And so I missed that from the iPad Pro. And I also really miss the ProMotion display. Uh, and I know that this is... a Maybe a contentious topic among some people who don't really see the difference between promotion and non-promotion displays, or who don't like promotion because it makes them feel sick due to like motion sickness issues. But I really prefer the feeling and the, just the look of promotion myself. Can I know you? you had a- can okay. you help
0: me? Yeah. So it, it's certainly not contentious with me. Like I'm, I'm not someone who's like, oh, promotion isn't even real or is it all in your head, whatever. Yeah. Like that. Uh, that's not me. But. I do struggle with, like some people say, oh man, once you use ProMotion, you can't go back. Yeah. And I, when I first got the, the 2018 iPad Pro, I th- think that I noticed ProMotion, but mm. I go back and forth between my iPad and iPhone all day long and I don't yeah. notice a difference in responsiveness or smoothness or anything like that. So like, what are, what are the, the benefits like in a real world? Like, do, do you notice a difference between those devices? Yes. Like, Okay. No,
1: so. no, 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 I don't. So you don't notice the difference on the iPhone. Okay. Because it, um, noticing um, the difference between a regular display and a high refresh rate display is more difficult when, you, when the non-ProMotion display is physically smaller. It becomes easier for your eyes to miss the difference when you're looking at a small display. Okay. When you're looking at a phone, it, your brain gets tricked into not seeing the differences. However, when you're switching between two large displays and you look at one with a high refresh rate and another without, you absolutely can see the difference. And the, th- the first thing you'll notice is motion blur. You'll see motion blur even in things like swiping across pages of the home screen. You do that on an iPad Air and on an iPad Pro with ProMotion. And on the iPad Pro, you look at the screen and you, the best way that I can describe it is the icons will just smoothly transition over in the animation, in swiping across pages. It's like they're there's sticking to your fingers and you, you just see the animation is fast and fluid and you don't notice anything else. You do it on the iPad Air and it feels kind of choppy. It feels like the icons are leaving like pixels behind and, it, and you get this like blur effect, which is not terrible. But in switching between ProMotion and this other kind of display, you can tell that the screen is not refreshing itself quickly enough. And so all kinds of animations, from swiping pages of the home screen to opening and closing different apps, you see that choppiness. You see that, oh, this is not as fluid as a ProMotion display. And then again, you don't notice this, on a small display like an iPhone, as much. However, I also think that once we will get, maybe next year, an iPhone with a ProMotion display, we will see that jump in animations and and just the overall fluidity. There's also a practical consequence to the lack of ProMotion, which is Apple Pencil performance. Uh, When a screen has a high refresh rate it means that it's also reducing latency because any input gets displayed on screen with a higher refresh rate with the apple pencil you use it on the ipad air and you use it on the ipad on the ipad pro on the ipad pro you can see that the virtual ink of the pencil basically sticks to the tip of the pencil even if you're Drawing and sketching with the pencil quickly on the page, quote unquote page, you see that the ink is basically sticking to the very tip of the pencil. And on the iPad, and that's because the screen is updating its its contents at one hundred and twenty hertz per second. On the iPad Air, you do that, and you will see that the virtual ink is slightly lagging behind, like it needs time to catch up with the your physical input, which is the pencil. And that happens because the screen cannot keep up with the same refresh rate of the iPad Pro. And so you see that this dist- like you see a physical distance between the ink and the tip of the pencil. And it eventually catches up, but you see that like split second delay, which is latency. And so if you're an artist, if, you're, if you use the Apple Pencil a lot, if you care about that kind of thing, The practical effect of promotion is that you will also get more pencil latency without it.
0: I I think that's the most helpful explanation of promotion's benefits that I've ever heard. Because (laughs) I, I, I hear people all the time talk about, oh, I really want promotion on the iPhone. Like, oh, why doesn't it have promotion yet? And... So I think, okay, well, that must mean that it's supposed to be something that's of huge value to the iPhone as well. And I'm sure if and when it does happen that we'll appreciate it, but but you explaining that it's more noticeable on the larger screen, that's really helpful mm. for me. So I don't feel like, you know, it's this feature that, I don't know, that <laughs> like some it's, people's eyes see it and some people's don't, you know? Like, it
1: can sound a little esoteric. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and I haven't and I think used... On the I- I haven't used another iPad besides my Pro okay. in years. Yeah, I was about to ask. Okay, yeah, so okay. I, I can't just like you know compare two, two iPads that way. Whereas if I could, I'm sure that would help. I, I've always just heard it described as like it gives you smoother scrolling. And for me, I'm like you know iOS devices have always had fantastic scrolling, especially compared to Android devices. Sorry, Android people. Um, mm-hmm. and so I was like, what what is this promo? Like, what's what's the benefit? But maybe if I went back to like if I tried the Air, for example, um, or if I got an iPad Mini or some other iPad without ProMotion, then, then I would really realize what I, what I was missing at that point.
1: Yeah, it's basically, it ultimately comes down to really just um, the electricity, right? On a ProMotion display, the, the, the individual pixels that make up the display, they can update their contents, they can update their color twice as fast on a promotion display compared to a regular display. And because of that, everything is smoother because every change of color, basically whenever you use uh, like an animation on screen is nothing but a change of color of an individual pixel multiplied per millions of pixels. And so if those pixels, they can illuminate themselves with a different color twice as fast, it means that the animation appears to be twice as fluid. And also I think on the iPhone, you'll will, we will see the difference i think more in things like ar uh because that sort of a uh, lifelike fluidity will will really help with ar and in video games especially video games that can can tap into the performance of the a14 and the and the gpu and metal and so when you do things like gaming at, 100, at 120 frames per second on a 120 hertz promotion motion display, that will be PC-quality PC performance. And so a game will look super smooth and fluid. And again, it'll help with latency because if you have, a, for example, a game controller, right, and you press a button, because the screen can refresh itself more quickly, the delay between you physically pressing the button and the button doing something in the game and you seeing that on the display will be reduced, right? This is why a lot of professional gamers on PC, they opt for wired controllers and 120, sometimes even 144 hertz displays because you want to make sure that you reduce that latency between you pressing the button on a controller and uh, you know the the electrical input of that button going into the game and the game showing you the result on screen. You want to make sure it's as low as possible, and you want to make sure that it's as low as like uh, I, I want to I say five or ten milliseconds, for example. It really, especially for professional applications like um, you know pro gamers playing League of Legends or something online, you want to make sure you have that latency as low as possible. But for people like us, I think we will see that gain absolutely with AR. And especially when Apple makes an AR headset, um, when you're wearing something on your face and when you're looking at at especially 3D elements that blend with the real world, having a choppy animation, it can really make you feel sick, right? Uh, Which is why all of these VR headsets right now, for example, which are different from AR, but the basic truth stands they need to have really good performance because otherwise the the difference between our human vision and the choppiness of animations shown on screen but in front of our eyes, they can make us feel really sick and really bad <laughs> and give you a headache basically instantly. So all of this to say that High refresh displays, I refresh rate displays, are expensive and are computationally expensive, and they, you know, require more energy. But in the longer term, they will be important, especially for Apple's plans regarding gaming and AR.
0: Thank you. That is very very helpful. I have a much better <laughs> understanding of this topic than I ever had before. So. Um, I want to touch on a few other things, ask some more questions, comparisons between the Air and the Pro. Uh, But before I do that, let me thank our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. So if you have work that you want to show the world, you could use a .design domain, which will show potential clients or employers that you've put time and consideration into your online portfolio. Hover has free Whois privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a clean UX and UI, monthly sales on popular top level domains it's easy to see why hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses i've used so many hover domains myself over the years with various websites and i keep going back to hover because they make the whole experience easy you know domain name selection and management shouldn't be something that's a hassle it shouldn't be something that that throws a bunch of barriers in your way where you've got to you know work really hard to, to keep things working right. Like The, the domain name host uh, should just take care of all that for you. And Hover does that. They do it so well that you don't have to think about it. And they offer a, an intuitive user experience. Things just work really well. It's, it's smooth. It's easy. There's nothing complicated that you have to figure out in the UI. And so I know that you'll appreciate Hover. Um, everything is easy to navigate, and it just works. Uh, you can buy your domain and start using it today at hover.com/adapt. And if you do that, you will get a ten percent discount on all your new purchases. That URL one more time is hover.com/adapt. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So. Earlier this year, when I was able to test the 11-inch and the 12.9-inch iPad Pro mm-hmm. side-by-side, I was using two devices that, with their internals, they were identical. The, the, the two iPad Pros have the same amounts of storage, the same amount of RAM, the same processors, the same ProMotion, all those things. And so, all I was comparing was screen size. With the iPad Air, that's not the case anymore. And it's really... a an interesting story in that the iPad Pro, even the 2020 versions, they still kind of have a two-year-old chip. It's the A12, uh, A12Z, I suppose, in the 2020, yeah. which is uh, has one extra GPU core over the A12X. Don't know that it makes a particularly big difference from what I can understand over the 2018 model, but it's still kind of a two-year-old chip. But it is the X or Z version. It's, it's the special kind of pro class version of the chip. Whereas the iPad Air has the standard A14, which is also found in the new iPhone 12, 12 mini, 12 Pro. Uh, so in your use of these two devices, the Air and your 12.9 inch iPad Pro, have you noticed any real difference in performance level based on one having the A14, one having the A12 X or Z?
1: Hmm. Um, so I don't think I have enough pro applications on my iPad to test this with. Um, like I don't regularly render audio projects or video, but I did try. Like I did try to measure the the performance differences between the A14 and the And I had both the A12X and the A12Z um, chips to test, uh, because uh, in addition to the iPad Air, I also also recently received a review unit of a 2020 iPad Pro. And so I've I've also been testing that in in these comparisons. So (laughs) what's interesting here is that the A14 Bionic is the first um, chip to be built on a 5-nanometer process. Instead of the seven nanometer process of the A twelve. And what this means is that when you so basically to put this in in, in, in common terms, this means that when, when you hear things like built on a five or X nanometer technology it means that the machines making the chip are operating at an incredibly smaller scale. They are make they're they can basically design these chips and, and operate, like, nanometer is like an incredibly sm- small portion of a millimeter, basically. And that means that you have this insanely high precision. And with that precision means you can fit more transistors on a chip. The smaller you go, like 5 nanometers, smaller than 7 nanometers, therefore you can fit more transistors. And more transistors means you get higher performance. And I'm oversimplifying this, but just to explain what this means. With the A14, you have this interesting comparison between the A14 Bionic and the A12X and the A12Z in that because of the 5-nanometer technology, you get higher single-core performance on an A14 Bionic than the pro-level A12X and A12Z chip. However, because of the way the chips were designed in multi-core performance, so when multiple cores on the chip need to do something, you get higher performance still on the A12X from 2018 and the A12Z from early 2020. In practice, this means that... Uh, so I've tried to render a bunch of 4K content on the iPad Air and the iPad Pro using iMovie. And there was like a s- 4.5... For like What was it? 4 minutes and 30 seconds of 4K footage. In iMovie, the iPad Air was about 7 seconds slower than the 2020 iPad Pro. And for 8 minutes, or actually 9 minutes, of 4K footage, it was about 30 seconds slower than the iPad Pro. So, obviously, the iPad Pro beats the iPad Air in that kind of performance scenario. However... It's not too terrible. It's not like the iPad Air is two minutes slower, right? We're talking about seconds here. For a chip that is not the Pro level, like it's not the A14X or the A14Z. This is the standard A14 Bionic that you also get in the iPhone. So I think that's rather impressive. And all of this makes me think of, like, what's going to happen when we eventually get an A14X? Or an A14Z, I, I'm guessing we will get the A14 X first in an iPad Pro, or maybe in an Apple Silicon Mac. What kind of performance can we expect? Can we expect from that? And I, I think that would be really interesting to compare to other computers and other tablets. But for now, basically the iPad Air, in most everyday scenarios, is just as fast and as fluid as an iPhone 12 and an iPhone 12 Pro and an iPad Pro. In certain workflows, right, that require high multi-core performance, you will see the difference between the iPad Pro and the iPad Air, but it's not as bad as, say, going from a 2020 iPad Pro to a 2015 iPad Pro, or to a base model iPad. It's pro, it's almost pro-performance.
0: Okay, well, and one other question I was going to think of related to performance, I guess you may or may not be able to answer because it has to do with RAM. Um, I suppose you are so your 2018 iPad Pro since you bought the one terabyte you have had the six gigs of RAM, right? So the only 2018 model that had six gigs of RAM was that you know high storage tier one terabyte. So you've had six gigs for a while, and the iPad Air has four gigs, I believe, um, and the new iPad Pros all have six gigs. So so that's another difference is that iPad Pros have six gigs of RAM. The iPad Air has four. I, w- I was thinking you wouldn't be able to compare them because uh, my iPad Pro from 2018 only has four gigs of RAM. I didn't get the one terabyte model. But so you've gotten used to six gigs and now you're using this new iPad Air with only four. Does that make a difference at all? Like, you know, you're not, you don't necessarily have to have pro level, you know, 4K video rendering or, or things like that to see a difference in in RAM. Um, have you noticed any difference in your use of the devices?
1: If it does, I haven't noticed it. Um, but I also sh- I, I should also say that I'm not the, I'm not the type of person who keeps like 50 or 60 tabs open in Safari. Oh, I thank goodness!
0: Be, Yay! <laughs> yeah,
1: I tend to be very aggressive with my with the tabs that I have in Safari, and at the end of uh, at the end of the workday, I always. Um, clean it up like everything that i need to leave open i save somewhere like notes or reminders whatever uh but i never like i'm not i'm not one of those users who say oh uh, the this less ram means that i will not be able to keep 30 tabs in memory in safari and i'm like man if i ever end up in that situation i screwed up so badly that i work on my iPad like i don't want to leave 30 tabs open so i i I haven't noticed any meaningful difference. And I think you will see the difference if you do want to keep lots of open tabs in memory. Uh, But I haven't seen that. And also, I I guess if you need... The difference between 4 and 6 gigs of RAM, you can measure it. And I did a few years ago. I linked one of my tweets in the review. If you need to do things like leave a complex shortcut, for example, running for one minute or two minutes the six gigs of ram will let you do that with four gigs of ram the shortcut may it tends to crash at about 50 seconds right you do see that difference however these are edge cases right and i think if you are the type of person who cares about the edge cases then i also guess you already have your answer you need an ipad pro if the edge cases are not so edge cases for you if are more like daily occurrences then i guess you you do need to purchase an ipad pro but for most people totally fine
0: yeah that's interesting i i feel like i've noticed this year with ipad os 14 that my ipad pro from 2018 has had more issues where potentially six gigs of ram would have been helpful um, I, I, too, am pretty good at keeping my Safari tabs in check, and it it just baffles me sometimes when I hear about people who, like even on their iPhone, they say they have hundreds of tabs open on their iPhone. I was like, "What on earth are you doing? That's, that's crazy. Uh, but some people like to live that way and more power to them. Uh, for me, you know, I, I keep a handful open and I close them as soon as I don't need them anymore. Um, but I've noticed that... Despite that, you know despite having relatively few tabs open uh, and I do keep multiple windows, sometimes I'll have maybe two different Safari windows which each have a few tabs. but I've noticed that those tabs are going are having to refresh more regularly since I installed iPadOS 14 um, and then even some issues with using multiple windows with other apps. Um, in the past the the, the Windows would retain, you know, the content that was loaded in them um, pretty well. And in the last several months using iPadOS 14, I feel like that, that gets messed up more often where I open a window that, that had this particular note open. And when I open it, it actually just takes me back to kind of the root view of, you know, viewing my all iCloud notes. And so I, I wonder if it's something to do with you know, iPadOS fourteen was was engineered to take advantage of um, more advanced iPad Pros that have six gigs of RAM um, or or something. It seems like maybe there's there's some more uh, resource heavy work going on in the system that's caused my my four gigs of RAM to feel less sufficient than it has in the past. Uh, and again, like you know. As you said, most people, it's going to be fine, right? It's it's not a huge deal if you have your tabs refresh every now and then. Uh, I've just kind of noticed that my iPad Pro didn't used to have that issue, and now it does. And so I wonder if maybe some software mm. changes have resulted in that. Um, and maybe, you know, on a an iPad Air, which, yes, it has the 4 gigs of RAM, but it also has the really fast A14, which is, you know, fantastic in single-core performance. Maybe that makes a difference, and so since I have a two-year-old iPad now, I'm going to see some of those signs of it being a little slower. I'm not sure, but it's just something I've noticed uh, these last several months. So, uh, anyways, I, th- I think we should we should wrap up here. I, you know, the one thing that intrigues me most about the iPad Air, even though I don't think it's the device for me, and you know, you said in your review it's not replacing your iPad Pro um that's not a big surprise cuz i know how much you love big screens yeah but the thing that excites me most is since the ipad air really pushes the bounds of what the the midsize what what that you know kind of more affordable ipad uh, offers it it just makes you wonder well okay well apple's going to have to do something really cool with the ipad pro next year yeah. to yeah push that even further because, and this, this is how they do things, right? This is how uh, with different Macs, different iPhones even, often there are you know, devices that are more affordable that come in and take some of the features of the more expensive models. Um, and maybe those more expensive models haven't been updated quite as recently, but then the next time they do get updated, they get even more cool new stuff because they kind of have to in order to, continue justifying that higher price point. And so I'm really interested in what Apple's going to do with the next iPad Pro because this iPad Air is so great. <laughs> and so the, the next iPad Pro, I would think, has to be even better.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think whenever Apple raises the baseline for something, you can expect that the, you know, they also have um, something else in the pipeline that is going to push the high-end side of things even further, right? And so I can only imagine how the next iPad Pro, I think Apple is put themselves in a position where they can now do even more interesting things with the display. Something like um, there, were, there was talk of micro LED or mini LED as the next technology for the iPad Pro. Maybe even bigger sizes of iPad Pro. Just because they, there's now this very small gap between the 10.9 inch iPad Air and the 11 inch iPad Pro. And I think Apple is sort of a, you know, maybe they, they, cre- they, oh, they created an opening for an even bigger iPad Pro. And of course, the A14X uh, Bionic GPU will be really interesting to see what they do in, um, you know, in, 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 for performance there. Um, and so I think it'll be really interesting to see now that we have a very solid, almost pro level of performance and uh, you know, pro-like design with the iPad Air, which I think at this point should be the default iPad for everybody, what does that mean for the future of the Pro? And if I had to choose, I'm not sure the 11-inch iPad Pro has uh, has too many chances right now. I would bet more safely on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro and maybe even something like a 15-inch iPad Pro. That's because I feel like the market for The 11-inch iPad Pro, now that we have an iPad Air, just became a lot smaller. And I think Apple has to know that. So I want to see what they do in terms of uh, iPad Pro sizes. But I think maybe the time is finally right to push even further in that sense and say, you want to have a desktop iPad Pro uh, that is a 15-inch tablet that you can also carry around if you want. It's like a 15-inch laptop. Why not? Here you go. Here's a bigger iPad Pro. Maybe the time is right for that.
0: We shall see what next year brings. Mm.
1: Uh, imagine three apps in Split View, Ryan. Just imagine that.
0: I know. It would be very, very, very nice. Um, not to mention, I also kind of want, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I want a really modern oh, iPad yes. Mini with yes. Uh, yes. no button. And yeah, that, that would be really nice as a well. A
1: small iPad Mini with the scene Like the iPad Air, but in like an 8-inch form factor. Oh, that would be so sweet. Yeah. Yes.
0: It's been a good year for the iPad, but there's also all these other things that we'd like to see maybe next year. So, all right. Well, this has been episode 37 of ADAPT. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Hover. Uh, if you want to find show notes for today, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash ADAPT slash 37. And to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at T L D R. I R Y A N T L D R, and both of us are writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye.
1: Arrivederci. Bye.